6.7 seconds. 6.7 seconds. That's all the Memphis Grizzlies needed in order to tie the series against the Los Angeles Lakers at two and go back home, regaining home court advantage. But LeBron James happened. He forced overtime and the Lakers prevailed. So much to talk about in this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, what happened against LeBron James down the stretch? Should Dylan Brooks be in the game in those situations now? And how was the locker room after the game? We got it right here coming up right now on Locked On Grizzlies. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies. I am your host today, DeMichael Cole, a beat writer of the Commercial Appeal in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm out here in Los Angeles. Uh, a long, long night, very long night after a very taxing game from both sides, an overtime game where the Lakers prevailed 117 to 111. Uh, I was here to get the sights, the sound, to talk to a lot of the players after the game, talk to Taylor Jenkins, and I should have some answers for uh, many of the questions that presented themselves throughout the game. I'm sure uh, you guys were pretty confused on certain things like the referees and, and, and you know, some of the officiating things that happened. Uh, throughout that game, but not even just the officiate. You know, I always have said as much as you want to have issue with the officiating, at the end of the day, the things you can control are uh, how you execute, you know, your, how you how you game plan and things like that. That's what the Grizzlies can control. You can't control what the referees call and what they don't call and all those things. But uh, the Grizzlies had a lot, a lot of takeaways where they could look in the mirror and say, this is a game we should have one. But before uh, we get into all of those things, I want to thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies one of your first listens today. And make sure you find us everywhere, right? Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you go get your podcast. Guess what? Locked On Grizzlies is there. And download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA. For $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Uh, at Game Time on yesterday, the Grizzlies, they didn't look good early. Didn't look good. Uh, got in a hole, fell down 15 points. And I'm sure a lot of you had flashbacks to game three. Said, uh oh, this is about to be ugly. Grizzlies going down 3 1. And all of that, but it was the opposite. Before you knew it, I mean, I couldn't make too much sense of it. But the Grizzlies went on a fourteen to one run to close the second quarter, and they were down two at the half, down two points at halftime. So when they were down two points after the first half, uh, then it just became a fight. It just became a fight in that second half. Both teams battled. But this is a game that got away for so many reasons. 
So many reasons to really focus on. And I'm going to hit on a couple of them here. One of the things that stands out to me is this was another bad Anthony Davis game. We talked about it. You slow down Anthony Davis. That has kind of been the key. The Grizzlies won game two because they slowed down Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, through regulation, had seven points. He finished the game with 12 points, 11 rebounds, uh, four of 13 shooting in 42 minutes. This was not a good Anthony Davis game. This was the perfect opportunity for the Grizzlies to take advantage of him struggling from the field. And it's not like many other guys, you know, kind of stepped up and just took it, took over. You know, Austin Reeves had 23 points. D'Angelo Russell, he, I mean, the fourth quarter, you can make an argument, he took over. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt started the game pretty strong. I think he finished with 15 points as well. But at the end of the day, this is one of those games where you look back on it, the Grizzlies had it. The Grizzlies should have won. The Grizzlies were up 97 to 90. I believe it was uh, about five minutes or so left in that game for D'Angelo Russell. Hit a couple three-pointers uh, to make it a one-point game. Uh, the Grizzlies had their opportunities. Yes, you can talk about the officiating and all that, but they had their opportunities to win this game. And I'm going to focus on a couple of those opportunities because I mentioned it at the top of the show. LeBron James. I mean, the guy is, what, timeless, right? Uh, 22 points in this game, 20 rebounds, seven assists, two blocks, 45 minutes, eight of 18 from the field, one of seven from three-point range. And quite frankly, uh, LeBron James type, type of name, numbers. 22 points, 20 rebounds uh, really stand out to me. But here's the thing. Talking to the players after the game, talking to Taylor Jenkins, we kind of got more clarity on what happened in those last two sequences. I, I pointed out 6.7 seconds left in the game because that's when the Grizzlies had a really good chance to get a stop and to win it. Um, talking at the game, Xavier Tillman, who was guarding LeBron James at that time, he told me, you know, I should have should have forced him to the left because, as Dylan Brooks has said before, you know, LeBron James likes to go right, you know, and, and other players have said it as well. But it was actually a part of the Grizzlies game plan. Uh, Forced LeBron James to the left. In this certain situation, uh, he got to his right hand against Xavier Tillman. And he got to the basket and made a layup just over the outstretched arms of Jaron Jackson, who had just had an amazing block on Rui Hachimura. Uh, a couple possessions earlier, but LeBron James got the layup just over the outstretched hands of Jaron Jackson Jr. So talking to the players after the game, Desmond Bain in particular, talked to Desmond Bain, uh, and Taylor Jenkins also mentioned it. You know, he was talking about shifts and rotations and things like that. But Bain said, basically, you know, there were two guys uh, on that side and the, on the same side of the floor as LeBron, who were uh, as LeBron and Xavier Tillman, who were supposed to basically do a better job of drawing help defense there. And the two guys were Desmond Bain himself and Dylan Brooks. And then if you go look at the film, Dylan Brooks was closer to the ball, which means Dylan Brooks is the guy who should have drawn the help defense there. And if you look at it, go back and watch the video. 6.7. I know it's I know it's hard to watch, but these are this is how the team gets answers, and this is how you get your answers as well. But I'm gonna talk you through it because what happened was 
Dylan Brooks, and he was guarding Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves was on the right wing, something like that. And then in the corner was Rui Hachimura, and Desmond Bain was guarding him in the corner. There wasn't a lot of spacing there. So even though, yes, you would have gave up a three-point shot in the last seconds, and you're up two points, six six point seven seconds left. But it would have been a three-point shot against Rui Hachimura or Austin Reeves uh, with defenders closing out at them versus LeBron James driving to his right hand. But Dylan Brooks is the key player on that play. Dylan Brooks sinked his feet near the free throw line. So he got, he as LeBron James was driving the basketball, he, in theory, he could have stepped in front of LeBron and made the refs make a tough call. He could have reached for the ball and possibly stole it or possibly, you know, fouled LeBron and given the Grizzlies the ball back, forced LeBron to make two free throws. So many options. So many. But what Dylan Brooks did was he kind of reached in there and then he took his hands back out and he recovered to Austin Reeves. Kind of like a show. Like, hey, I'm going to show. And LeBron is just, come on, man. LeBron is a 20-year vet. It, it, it doesn't work against LeBron James. And Lo and behold, LeBron was able to get all the way to the rim, even though Dylan Brooks was the help defense that could have stopped him from getting to the rim. Yes, you would have gave up that. Uh, LeBron would have kicked it to Austin Reeves, and it would have been up to either Dylan Brooks to recover or Desmond Bain, who was guarding Rui Hachimura in the corner. But he would have been able to, he would have been that next rotation or that next shift, as Taylor Jenkins and Desmond Bain talked about. And he would have been there. He would have been there. Austin Reeves would have got the look off. He would have got the shot off, but Desmond Bain would have contested. So uh, Dylan Brooks is your key man on that play. And then uh, the other other shot towards the end of the game where Dylan Brooks is actually the guy who was guarding LeBron James. Uh, The Lakers were up three points under 30 seconds. Uh, The Grizzlies needed to have one stop so they can get it back with a one-possession game. Didn't get the stop in overtime. And that was all she wrote. But Dylan Brooks did an excellent job of forcing LeBron James to his left. But what you've got to notice is LeBron is masterful in just creating these, you know, uh, mismatches that sometimes uh, the eye, eye, the, the regular eye doesn't even see because he, he strategically puts Rui Hachimura on the same side of the floor as him, knowing that it's going to be tough for Jaron Jackson Jr., who was guarding him at that time, to leave a Rui wide open in that corner and with the Lakers up three, because that, that's your potential dagger. Uh, so as LeBron drives to his left against Dylan Brooks, you don't want to leave Rui in the corner because the way he's been shooting the basketball this series. And then it's like, okay, well, now who's your help defender in the paint? It's Xavier Tillman Sr. Easy, right? Easy. Of course he's going to step up and help and, you know, force things tough on LeBron. Well, if you watch the play, Xavier Tillman Sr. is a little bit hesitant Dylan Brooks, eventually, he fouls LeBron. LeBron makes the layup. But Xavier Tillman kind of, you know, half helped in in that situation instead of, you know, fully going out there. And why that is the case is because X was assigned to Anthony Davis. And as you and I have both seen over the course of this series, when Xavier Tillman or Jaron Jackson Jr., whoever it is guarding Anthony Davis, when that person gets out of position to go – block a shot or something, Anthony Davis is putting it back up every time. It's easy points. So uh, Xavier Tillman Sr. seemed like he wanted to kind of stay in between, didn't want to give uh, Davis 
the access to those easy points. In the end, they got burned by LeBron James. Uh, that's kind of what I took from those two plays uh, where each resulted in baskets by LeBron James. And on the last one, he was defended by none other than Dylan Brooks. But since we're talking about other guys, like we, we're sitting here talking about Xavier Tillman guarding uh, LeBron James and doing a solid job against him. So if that's the case, then should Dylan Brooks even be in the closing lineup? We're going to talk about that uh, next, coming up on Locked On Grizzlies. But before we talk about that, I got to talk about game time. See, the thing about game time is it is your premier option right now where you can go get your tickets at the last minute for these games. And remember, game time is simple. All you have to do is go download the Game Time app. Game, game Time will have the upcoming events, you know, in your area and what's going on. It's easy to find and buy tickets. It gives you the images of the seat views, lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection. All of that comes with Game Time, and it's simple. Look, all you have to do is download the app, create an account, use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first. Purchase terms apply again. So go create an account and redeem the code locked on NBA for $20 off. If you're a Grizzlies fan. Look, here's a little secret for you. Yes, the ticket prices might be a little bit high for these upcoming games at FedEx Forum, but you waited out a little bit and then you go over to game time and you use that 20 that $20 off. You can get you a nice little discount. So all you got to do is download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed, that's the game time app. Uh, simple, simple and easy. Uh, go over to the game time app. And, and then once you go over to the game time app, uh, don't forget to go over to FanDuel. Think about FanDuel is, FanDuel is the premier betting option out there for all the sports fans. And I want to talk to the new customers real fast. I want to talk to the new customers who are new to FanDuel. New customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com, lock on, sign up, place your bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So, look, here's the thing. Let's say you, you want to go bet on baseball. Uh, you can set up a whole same-game parlay. And that's one of my favorite things to do. Same game parlay where you say, hey, I think this player is going to get a hit. I think this player is going to get a strikeout. I think this team is going to win a game. And you can do it across the whole MLB. And you can just mix and match them, put them together, make you a nice bet. And that can be even your first bet. So, look, don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. All you got to do is go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign on. Uh FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about it. A lot of you have said something to me about it, and we've talked about it in the past, but Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard is sitting on the bench. Let's talk about it coming up on Locked on Grizzlies. So we watched the closing moments of the fourth quarter of overtime. And Luke Kennard wasn't in the game. Luke Kennard wasn't in the game for a lot of this game. I'm going to go through the minutes distribution here. Dylan Brooks, 41 minutes. Jaron Jackson Jr., 42 minutes. 
Xavier Tillman, 41 minutes. Um, all the starters, pretty much. <laughs> Just to lay the point here, John Morant, 44 minutes. Dylan Brooks, 41 minutes. All the starters, you're talking 40-plus minutes. So, so who played the most on the bench? David Roddy, 20 minutes. Luke Kennard had the seventh most minutes, 14 minutes. Now, playoffs, again, this is where teams get a little bit more desperate. This is where we see, you know, coaches kind of have to show their hand a little bit because you don't got time to, to strategize, play for strategy because you don't want the next team to see this and all that. You got to win. This is the first time, noticeably, that it stood out to me. Taylor Jenkins isn't fully confident in what Luke Kennard brings to the table defensively. But I want to talk about this subject a little bit because I've heard uh, some of you have kind of said to me, you know, basically, you know, mentioning the fact that, hey, you know, why isn't Luke Kennard in the game over Dylan Brooks? Or some of you have just said, he should be in a game over Dylan Brooks. And I'm starting to teeter in that direction as well myself because of the fact that Xavier Tillman Sr. is not a mismatch against LeBron James. Talking to X after the game, he was telling me how uh, they're similar in size. Uh, and he, he's right pretty much, you know, uh, both guys in that 6'8", 250-pound range. Uh, X moves. I mean, you throw the center position out of your head when you're talking about X guarding because – He'll tell you defensive versatility is his number one skill set. And I think uh, we asked him about that uh, on yesterday. And he said, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Defensive versatility is his number one skill set. That means he can hold his own against guards. He can hold his own against forwards. And in this series, if you watch, he's held his own against LeBron James. Since this team, the Lakers, they don't play two bigs. You can start off. Xavier Tillman Sr. guarding LeBron James. And you can have Anthony Davis being matched up with Jaron Jackson Jr. Doesn't have to be in the starting lineup. I get it. You want to preserve Jaron's fouls and, and all that stuff. Doesn't have to be the starting lineup. But in closing lineups, it might benefit the Grizzlies to have Luke Kennard playing more minutes than 14 minutes. I don't see the benefit in that. I know many of you don't see the benefit of that. Uh, my co-host, uh, Joe Mullinax, who's not on with me today, but if he were here right now, you guys know like I know, Joe Mullinax would be singing that same tune when it comes uh, to that to that guarding um, and having Luke Kennard on the floor in those type of situations. So let me go talk about what was said uh, in terms, because I asked Taylor Jenkins after the game. I asked him straight up. I said, hey, you know, uh, Dylan Brooks over Luke Kennard. If you got Xavier Tillman guarding LeBron James, which, again, one of the biggest reasons I've advocated for Dylan Brooks being on the floor is because he can hold his own physically against LeBron James. But now we see that Xavier Tillman Sr. can do the same thing. So, okay, um, Dylan Brooks's biggest asset isn't, you know, really – needed that much more. And I think when you say you twist the knife a little bit and what burns a little bit more is the fact that when the Grizzlies got to overtime, D'Angelo Russell had fouled out. 
So I, you could even, if your counterpoint was, hey, the Lakers still have D'Angelo Russell. I don't want Luke Kennard, Ja, or Dez, one of those guys guarding D'Angelo Russell after as hot as he got. Okay. Point taken. Because the Grizzlies did put Dylan Brooks on D'Angelo Russell towards the end of the fourth quarter before he fouled out. But there is no way in that fourth quarter when he fouled out, they had Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, and uh, I forgot who the third guy was. But uh, at the end of the day, none of those guys were world beaters, whereas, whereas Luke Kennard, I feel like, couldn't even – could at least hold his own. But anyways, getting back to the point, I said – I asked Taylor Jenkins after, after the game, and he said – we wanted some defensive personnel out there to try to switch and have physicality and just have one guy that was kind of going to be in a hedge position. He said, when they when they're, when they were driving and we weren't shifting on the ball, it didn't matter who was on the floor. We gave them too much space downhill. So let's break this down real quick, just real quick here. Basically, at the end of the day, what he's saying here, paraphrasing, is – the Grizzlies wanted their best defenders on the floor. Dylan Brooks is one of those guys, which he says we want a defensive personnel out there to try to switch and have physicality. Uh, you have to have switchable guys when you're going against LeBron James. And he basically said they only wanted one hedge guy uh, on the floor, one guy that was going to be in a hedge position. John Morant was that guy. If you watch the last minutes of the fourth quarter overtime, uh, LeBron James constantly attacked the matchup of John Morant and the Grizzlies would hedge that John would show and go back to his guy. And once you do that, I mean, LeBron has seen that coverage a lot of times. This is the same thing he used to do against the Golden State Warriors uh, with Steph Curry when he would attack Steph Curry and the Warriors would hedge it as well. And LeBron would try to force the switch or he'd get downhill really fast be, uh, while the two defenders were trying to, you know, get back into their positions. But what happened in this game Taylor Jenkins basically says, well, John, we already got one guy we got a hedge for. If Luke Kennard comes in the game for Dylan Brooks, we got a hedge for him too, and that and the Grizzlies don't want to do that. Everyone else, the Grizzlies consider switchable. Desmond Bain on LeBron, they're fine with it. Xavier Tillman, Jaron Jackson Jr., they're fine with it. it. They're fine with all of the rest of those guys on the floor in that matchup except John Morant. That's the one guy they were willing to hedge. Didn't want to put two guys in hedging positions because it would have been – that much more of a disadvantage. So do I agree? Uh, it makes sense to me. But at the end of the day, it, it depends. Do you value defense more than offense? Tell me what you guys think in the comments uh, as well. And, you know, I would definitely like to hear what you guys think about Taylor Jenkins' decision to kind of prefer uh, Dylan Brooks over Luke Kennard. Because based on the way he phrased it, I hate to say it, but uh, I don't think that's something that's going to change. Uh, being, you know, if that's the reason, if you're if you're prioritizing defensive versatility, but I think there needs to be some desperation uh, coming up here uh, from his team. Speaking of desperation, that was some of the energy I got from the locker room. We're going to talk more about the locker room, how the players were after the game, and I'll have all that for you coming up on Locked On Grizzlies. But before we get to that, I got to talk to you about Prize Picks. See, Prize Picks is where you go, look, I always talk to you guys about this 100% deposit match on prize picks. First, you got to download the app. If you should download the app or go to prizepicks.com, you need to take advantage of this $100. This, this, you got to take advantage of it. You got to take advantage of it. All you got to do is go download the prize pick apps 
or go to prizepick.com to sign up and you play Dennis daily fantasy sports. What makes prizepick special in that way? Well, it's simple. You can say, hey, I'm projecting this guy to score 20 points. I'm projecting this guy to get six rebounds. And you match it all up together so you can win a nice lump sum over there at Prize Kicks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. All you got to do is use the promo code locked on. That means if you can put you deposit $100, guess what? You can get $100 back. You deposit $50, Prize Picks will say, here, get $50. All you got to do is enter the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D on and sign up for that instant deposit match of up to $100. It's a simple process. All you got to do is pick two to six players. You pick John, you pick Dez, you pick Jaron, you pick Anthony Davis. You say, hey, these guys will score more. They'll get more rebounds or less rebounds. They'll block more shots. They'll get less steals or more steals than whatever the prize picks projection is. And you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Remember, all you got to do is download the app, prize or go to prizepicks.com to participate. Coming up now on Locked On Grizzlies, we're going to talk about the locker room. It was interesting. I'll have it next on Locked On Grizzlies. Everybody, welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host here, DeMichael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. And the locker room was interesting. Uh, first of all, I want to preface saying some things here. One, losing is hard. Losing is hard. Uh, I, for one, has have, have been one of those guys who... I hate losing more than I like winning. I hate it. And certain Grizzlies players, as someone who's been in the locker room this entire season, uh, seeing how some players handle handle winning, some players handle losing, you know, there's differences. Every player doesn't handle losses the same. There are certain guys I know personally I can go right up to in the locker room after any loss, no matter how the team loses. And there are certain guys, it's like, hey, I don't know when I go up to talk to them if they're going to be in a good mood or if they're going to be in a bad mood. You just never know. But such is life, such is how, you know, we handle these competitive sports things. But with all that being said, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what happened after the game. And it's centered around John Morant and Dylan Brooks uh, declining to speak with the media. I won't touch too much on all of that around the uh, stuff about the players. But basically, you know, John Morant and Dylan Brooks were both asked to speak. Uh, Dylan Brooks said that he wasn't talking and John Morant just declined to respond uh, as he was leaving, you know, uh, the arena as well. So those two guys weren't made available to the media members. And I think uh, a lot of media members tweeted out and, you know, reported on them not on John Moran and Dylan Brooks not speaking. And some people took it as some type of entitlement. Like, oh, they don't have to speak to you. And, and oh, it was a tough loss and, and all those things. Yes, they don't have to. But guess what? It's a part of their job. It's a part of their job. Excuse me a little bit. Uh, got a little bit of a cold, but... It's part of their job. Um, the Grizzlies players kind of sign up for basketball. You sign up for community events. You sign up for media. And it's a two-way street, right? Media helps you 
you know, when you want to promote all these great things you're doing. But media has a job to do as well. And it's not always when things are going great for you. Sometimes that's when you have a two for 15 shooting night. You're still the topic. The, the media has to get those answers uh, to why certain things happen and, and what's going on there. That's part of it. Another part of it is the fact that, hey, look at it like this. In, in this case particular, John Morant, Dylan Brooks, uh, two guys who I would say are leaders on this team. And I, why would I say that? Because as a reporter covering this team, guess what? On Sunday, talking to John Morant, you know what John Morant said? He said he's the leader of this team. Talking to players on the Grizzlies about Dylan Brooks, you know what they've said all this season? You know what they said last season? Dylan Brooks is the heart and soul of the Grizzlies. So you got the heart and soul. You got the leader. The two guys who basically have gotten the most attention in this series uh, from a media perspective. And they basically left, you know, they didn't say anything. They left their teammates uh, to do pretty much all the talking. And that leads me to the next point. Because at the end of the day, um, John Morant, Dylan Brooks, I think, you know, we've seen them throughout the course of this season. Remember, John Morant uh, finding West, even though I ha- I'm i not belingering on with that point too much because ever since he's come back in March, he has not really said those type of things. He's been very, very calculated, much, much more uh, with that. But Dylan Brooks, on the other hand, uh, you called out LeBron. Called out LeBron James. When you call out LeBron James, better not miss. He missed Dylan Brooks swung and missed real bad at game three. Game four, LeBron put the game away uh, with the basket on you. And Dylan Brooks didn't talk after game three or game four. So not the best of looks for a guy who had just called LeBron old and, and has done the level of talking that he's done. But for me, I understand it a little bit because Dylan is a competitor. It's that 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 fire inside of him, and he's, he's disappointed. But it looks bad. After you do all that talking, and then when things don't go your way, you kind of shy away from it. But a couple guys who didn't shy away from all those things were Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones. And I want to talk uh, particularly on those. I'll start with Tyus, but I want to say this last because I'll tell you what, Grizzlies fans, you're, pro- you're really going to want to hear what Desmond Bain had to say. But I'll start with Tyus. Uh, Tyus has that desperation sound to him. And it's no secret. This has not been a good series for Tyus Jones. He's struggling, and he uh, just had a scoreless game. Uh, we were talking about, and, and then he followed that up with a game uh, against Game Four, two points on yesterday, two assists, only played nine minutes, only took two shots. Uh, Tyus Jones has basically vanished in this series in a way. Uh, he's he started in the game to win. But even in that game, he wasn't great. It wasn't like, wow, Tyus starting lineup, it's normal, you know, 18 points, eight assists. It wasn't that. So Tyus is still finding himself in this series. But he has, you know, real good leadership qualities. He was talking about, hey, it's win or go home now. That's the mentality. Moving on to Desmond Bain. I've talked about it a lot this year. Desmond Bain is just super chill. Like, when everything around Desmond Bain 
is all over the place, he's more like, oh, we got it. We'll get out of this. We'll be fine. That's always been his mentality, but it's really showing right now more than ever because you know what Desmond Payne basically did at the game before? You know, he was asked, the mood, you know, locker room, how you feeling? Desmond Bain said, I'm feeling good. And you're probably thinking, come on, man. Come on, man. You're down 3-1 against LeBron James. No one has ever, ever in the history of basketball. LeBron James has been in a bunch of playoff series where he's had 3-1 leads. No one has come back from a 3-1 lead on LeBron James before. But guess what? You tell LeBron, you tell Desmond Bain that he wouldn't care. Because his perspective on this series is simple. The Grizzlies had the best home record in the NBA all season long, and they got two home games left. In his mind, the game that they got to win is game six when they go to L.A. And in Desmond Bain's mind, okay, I'll just let the quote explain it in regards to game six. and I'll just read it to you. He said, in order to win a series, you're going to have to win one game on the road. So when we come back here for game six, we'll come in with the right edge, right mentality, and steal one on the road and see what happens in game seven. You heard it here first. Desmond Baines calling his shot. Desmond Baines calling his shot. That's got to be encouraging because that guy, uh, he has a voice in that locker room. And he's a, the guy who can tend to lift guys up when they're going through those spells and things like that. So uh, remember, Yes, you. I know if you look on Twitter and you look uh, maybe in certain media places, you're going to see a lot on John Morant. You're going to see a lot on Dylan Brooks, and it's going to make it look like the Grizzlies are down and out. But just two guys I just told you, Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain, also two big voices in that locker room. They're not dead yet. They're not dead yet. Thank you for tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies, making it one of your first listens each and every day. Man, every day is, look, we appreciate you. Me and Joe Mullinax appreciate you. I'm going to be flying today. I got to get back to Memphis on later on today. So I'm flying back to Memphis. So Joe will take care of tomorrow's episode uh, for you guys as well. So Joe will take care of you. He will be back uh, with you as well. So I appreciate you guys for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies. Make sure you continue to like Rate, comment, subscribe, all those good things. Just let us know what you think because the season isn't over yet. Uh, you Look, like, like Desmond Bain said, you had the best home record in the NBA. So I feel like there, we could be talking Grizzlies basketball for at least a couple more days. But thank you for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies. We truly appreciate all of your support uh, throughout this season. And tune in tomorrow because Joe Mullinax will have you covered with the latest on what's going on with the team. I want to thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Locked on Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Michael Cole. See you next time on Locked on Grizzlies.